Hi, this is Ozzy Jirog from OzBuzz and uh, we are interviewing interesting people and talking about their exciting lives and tonight we're really honored and thrilled to have with us John Weston who was a member of parliament from 2008 to 2015 for the very interesting district of West Vancouver and Sunshine Coast. Welcome John. And you missed part of the name, Ozzy. It was West Vancouver, Sunshine Coast, Sea to Sky Country, the longest name in the House of Commons, like a poem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the interesting also is that on one side in West Vancouver, you have the very well-to-do, and on the other side, the less well-to-do. And you had to be everything to everybody. I found it admirable because uh, you went everywhere. You wanted to be with the people. You had your town hall meetings in a coffee shop and you got there by bicycle and uh, talking to the locals and, and doing your thing. We started something called Ride the Riding. So the idea was to get on a bike, show people that you can get around the, a large area on a bicycle as part of your normal day work. And uh, it was fun and it made me very accessible. And I ended up talking to people I never would have approached had I been in my business suit. Yeah, no question. And I think it, and people like to talk uh, to you, you know, that they're, they're a little bit worried. Can I approach him or not? And you're certainly very approachable. Yeah. I talked to the mayor of Kimberley uh, a few months ago, and uh, he has every Thursday at City Hall, he has a brown bag lunch and anybody can come in and then talk. And he says, sometimes it's a little double-edged sword. Somebody <laughs> has a, has a hobby horse that they want to get to talk. But most of the time, it really helps him also get reelected, of course. Well, we had the privilege, I, I had the privilege to meet you in Taiwan, of all places, some time ago. And uh, not only were you a very good lawyer in Taiwan, you sp not you speak English and French, but you also spoke Mandarin. My goodness gracious. I mean, you started your international relations studies at Harvard and law at Osgoode Hall. and But to speak Mandarin, my goodness gracious. Well, if you need to eat, you have to talk, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was there working for Royal Page at the time, and you you of course you were the founder of Pan Pacific Law Corporation and Access Law. I mean, when do you eat? Anyways, you seem to be really very busy. It was usually on buses between work and classes. <laughs> that was in Taiwan, anyway. Well, it was interesting in Taiwan. We came up with the idea to do a taping, right? And we ended up doing a tape: fourteen ways to do business in Asia. And it's some time ago, but it still holds true that if you want to get to know the people, you've got to be local, you've got to understand where they live and what they do. Well, I think what we both learned was that the expats who went to other parts of Asia were often motivated by natural things like money. Uh, and that wasn't um, uh, out of the ordinary in Taiwan, but what really motivated people who went to Taiwan was a love of the culture and the language right. and the cuisine and the people. And uh, that was reciprocated. So I, I think we both had a great experience in Taiwan, made a lot of friends there. And to this very day, I say that uh, my wife, whom I met in Taiwan, yeah. she and I were very heavily influenced by the emphasis on relationship being the foundation for doing business or other important things in life. No question, and I think uh, quite often the expat live in some sort of an enclave, you know, where they never see the locals, and uh, and then they're surprised when the locals wonder, well, what is what do they really stand for, believe in? You know, we, we were downtown, you know, I lived downtown, I wanted to be there, and I, I learned so many things. I mean, here I'm the president of a, 
a property management company and everybody was still at work at nine o'clock or ten o'clock and until yeah. I said to my wife's friends why are they still here so well you're here as long as the presence here we stay imagine doing that in Canada. it took you way too long to figure that <laughs> yeah, out it was too long and I finally <laughs> had my driver then drive me around the block a few times until they all went home because of course I was by myself the point is you know you have a very interesting life a wild life and you always wherever you went you're making a difference and that's in your nature you know I think when you went to Ottawa and, and you represented your area very well and you had some real really things that you wanted to accomplish you created your national health and fitness day bill because you looked at your fellow MPs and thought they live in a very a lifestyle that is sedentary you know and aeroplanes and so on it was astonishing when I got there um, thinking that I was about to work on legislation or represent communities uh, something happened and it was that a, a well-known journalist uh, his last name was Cameron uh, he died playing pickup ice hockey age 41 hmm. and then Prime Minister Stephen Harper looked at a bunch of us and said beware you live unhealthy lives and it just seemed that that was wrong, that we were supposed to be leading the nation, right. and here we were as very poor role models. And so um, at the same time, I was representing the area where 70% of the uh, 2010 Olympic and Paralympic game venues were yeah. to be situated. And um, famous athlete, uh, female athlete of the 20th century, uh, Olympic medalist Nancy Green Rain, yeah said, well, why don't we make the legacy of the games an impact on all Canadians, not just podium people, people who won medals. And I thought that was a great challenge for us. So at any rate, with that in, ringing in my ears, I invited fellow MPs to come running on a Tuesday and then swimming on a Thursday, yeah. just as role models. Sure. And uh, it was said, you know, if you can teach an NDP member of Parliament to spin her in the <laughs> swimming pool, you know decorum in the House of Commons is going to be way better. And so um, good friendships were made around that. And it was one of the few things that happened that was nonpartisan in nature, where we really came together to get to know one another, to make one another healthier, but more importantly, to become role models for all Canadians. Well, you also had something in common. A lot of you traveled. There was a lot of flight involved. You have almost like having two homes, right? So, and then you sit around in committees and whatnot. And you don't. You're not that active. And you eat irregularly, and your sleep patterns are disrupted. And it's hard for some people to impose on that a routine of good, healthy physical activity. But if you look at yourself as a role model, not just as somebody doing her job or his job then it's important to reverse those trends. Well, and that certainly, uh, that certainly has been your focus uh, for a while. In fact, you just created sort of something brand new, you know, a new institute that has sort of a slogan that wants to make Canada the fittest nation on earth. Now that's quite, a, quite an undertaking. And you missed the deadline by 2030. So we decided, you know, if it's going to be important, and Ozzy, this is something you teach, uh, that there needs to be a date. Right, absolutely. If you say you're going to do something for your own improvement or to help other people without a date, then it starts to wither away in people's minds. Goal without a date is just a wish, you know. That's right. Mm -hmm. And we looked at the very negative trends in Canada, this wonderful country. You know, we have so much to celebrate here, but we have increasing rates of sedentary behavior. 90% of our kids get 
six hours or less of moderate physical activity every week. The physical activity is in front of a screen. No? That's the activity, you're right. And so we know that, uh, that kids are getting two hours or more of screen time activity. This is their discretionary time, not in, in classrooms. We know that a third of our kids are overweight or obese, which means that they have 14 times the likelihood of a cardiac event by age 50. We see cardiovascular disease and diabetes just increasing in their rates all the time. And along with those things, mental health issues. So it's especially prominent among our First Nations communities. So a, a real tragic situation in a country blessed with every opportunity to be healthy and fit. We have good education opportunities. We have wonderful recreational opportunities all Absolutely, over the country. Absolutely, yeah. You know, there's the natural ones, there's our lakes, there's our rivers, there's our trails, there's our mountains. And then there's a the recreational infrastructure, much of which is owned by local governments. So that's why Nancy Green Rain and I set about uh, getting a bill passed that you mentioned, the National Health and Fitness Day Act, which proclaims the first Saturday in June every year as National Health and Fitness Day. The idea is get the local governments to encourage people to come out in greater numbers to try new physical activity, bring a friend along, play badminton, try rugby, you know, do something sure. different. Often the swimming pools are open in that first Saturday in June. So why not get all these cities going? And now we have over 400 cities that have proclaimed National Health 400, Day. wow. Well, Annette, it, it is so important that uh, somebody takes leadership in it. There's nobody that disagrees with anything you say, but nothing will be done if you don't sort of get proactive about it. Years ago, I was president of Royal Page, and we were looking for something how we as a company, with, we had 10,000 people, and we were represented in 300 different cities. How could we get involved locally and we came up with it, the LePage triathlon and then we came up with uh, getting actually women to run you know this is now 30 years ago but mm. it believe it or not we had up for a five kilometer run which was the first run <coughs> for women of five kilometers that were allowing women over 50 to run we had doctors at the end <laughs> at the goal line because we expected them and here came all these women galloping through totally more fit than most of the men, you know, it was like, it was a real eye-opener for us that, uh, and so we had, we had uh, groups uh, right up to 70 plus and so on. And it gets exciting, particularly in the smaller towns, everybody communicated, you know, mm -hmm. everybody wanted to be part of it, everybody wore the shirt, you know, I did it. And so we are naturally wanting to do better and yet somehow life takes over and we don't start. So w what you're pointing to is that physical activity is social. If you are going for a walk or a run, it's way more fun to do it with a friend. So this morning, um, Donna said to me, well, I just want to go for a little run with the dog. You want to come? And I wasn't planning on it, but naturally I went with her and a little conversation ensues. And we have that, that space, that healthy space where we're out in nature. You know, nature has a huge positive impact on people. And sure. unfortunately, Canadians are increasingly deprived from their exposure to nature. Why is that? Well, more and more of us are spending time on screens. Yeah. Right? So we're sitting inside, uh, we're doing things that would have been done through physical labor, but now labor-saving devices have eliminated those tasks. And um, again, we're spending less and less time in physical activity, less and less time outdoors. So what came about uh, after I finished serving as an MP 
was a desire to take all of that activity that had gone before. We really set the table. We'd created a parliamentary fitness initiative. We changed the culture in Parliament Hill so that it was okay to be seen in a tracksuit. Yeah. We created National Health and Fitness Day. Uh, we have all these cities that have proclaimed it. But could we point to one Canadian who was healthier or fitter? And I had to say, well, not really. And so the work wasn't done. And meanwhile, we spend billions on what we call healthcare, but it's really sickness care. Sure, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late, absolutely. When I mean, we are dealing with people who are sick, we have to, and it's great that we can, but that's not healthcare. Sure. And what really surprised me, given how youthful and vigorous our prime minister is, Justin Trudeau, was that in his mandate letter to his health minister, there was lots of good things. There was mm. dealing with the opioid crisis and improving surgery wait times and things like that. There was not one word about physical activity right. or health care. It was all sickness care. So I think that's probably not just good for Canada. It's certainly United States everywhere. We are focused on the wrong thing. But isn't it a little confusing though too? I remember in my life at one point I'm supposed to not drink coffee, at another point I should, then I should drink decaffeinated coffee and then I said, oh my God, that's the worse than the regular coffee and then I shouldn't have butter and I shouldn't. It seems to be continuously changing in terms of what we eat. Now what you're saying as part of your slogan is that the National Health and Fitness Institute will be world leading and evidence-based. Mm -hmm. Now what do you mean by that? Well, uh, let me take you to a moment in time just about two years ago when I was visiting a friend of mine, a mentor named Charlie Kirkwood, who owns a large piece of land in Pennsylvania. And uh, at the time, he was entering into a partnership with the University of Pennsylvania to build some off-campus facilities for psychology. And the, the brilliant part of this was that he was taking an asset that he had, land, and partnering with a university to create something new, some value. And that's when it came to me. It seemed to me that for years and years and years I've been promoting national health and fitness and want to do that to the last day of my life. I just feel that it's important for the physical, the mental, and the spiritual health of Canadians. Mm -hmm. But also in my family was some land, and so uh, I've for years been struggling with what would we do with that land for the good of our family? Sure, but also for the community and the country. And in, in, in my belief system, you know, we have a maker and we're here on earth for a purpose. Right. And so, um, you know, to, to love your God and love your neighbor, you've got to do something good with the assets that you've got. If you don't, then you're not doing the right thing. So what if we took a little piece of that land and, and then built a facility on it that would become a mecca to instruct the instructors, educate the educators, and coach the coaches. And thus was born the concept of National Health and Fitness Institute. So this is intended to be an actual facility somewhere in Canada. It may or may not end up on this land that my family owns and uh, we're anxious to try and make it happen. But it's gotta happen somewhere. We built a, a, a charitable foundation, so that means that we have an entity, if people want to donate to this thing, they get a tax receipt. We have a great board of people, people like Jack Taunton, the, the doctor who started the Vancouver Marathon, started the Vancouver Sunrun. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the fathers of sports medicine in Canada, 
along with his former uh, partner, uh, Doug Clement. Uh, many of your listeners will, will know these names. Many of them will have been treated by these guys. They're just legends. Uh, he ran over 60 marathons in his life. He, and wow. He's now a, I think he's 73. He's had half a dozen spinal surgeries. He wow. still is out there walking with these sticks. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. like the Terminator. He's unstoppable. <laughs> so he's on our board yeah. and he is determined to get this thing built. And then we have on our board um, an Ottawa-based woman, Henrietta Southam, who's the daughter of the founder of the National Arts Centre. So she's seen a family build the national institution and she knows how hard it is to do this. But we've got four great directors, 26 advisors, and a large and growing community of people who want to make Canada the fittest nation on earth by 2030. So Ozzy, we're, we're going to do this and I'm hoping that your listeners will get interested and will provide ideas because uh, we're, we're not pretending we know the answer. We know that Everybody agrees we need more physical activity. We need more exposure to nature. We need to reverse these trends of diabetes and cardiovascular disease and mental illness. But we don't have the answers. We just know that we need to create a, a, a center, a focus, a place where the research happens, where the people come together, and we're determined to make it happen. Well, and I think certainly if anybody would be a great leader for that, it's going to be you and Donna. The two of you are on the same wavelength and you're a good example of what is needed. I think deep down every single individual feels that they should be doing more. I, I certainly know. <clears throat> I swim every day. That's about my... Uh, That's great. Yeah, yeah, but I also like my food and I, I yes, I enjoy my beer. I actually have been known as Mr. Beer and Sausage. Actually, I firmly believe that when I die or before I die, beer will be declared a health food anyway. so but. I know you don't want to hear this. <laughs> well, <laughs> but the point I had is, a shandy before I came here. Yeah, <laughs> but all, all we, we know instinctively that you're right. The thing is, how do, we get a, how do we get ourselves off the proverbial butt and onto the, into the outdoors and away from the machine? My son was telling me the other day that his iPhone tells him how many hours a day he's been on. He says, I'm surprised that yesterday I was on six hours. He says, I couldn't possibly have been six hours. And yet, here we have the proof all around us that we are not doing the right thing. But you know, I'm, I'm writing a motivational book. And in that book, um, I'm, I made a point. Uh, it was finished, actually. I gave it to my editor. And when I got it back, I realized it's really the same old, same old. Everybody knows, everybody understands. I don't think there's any stupid people out there. You go to a motivational speaker, uh, Tony Robbins, or a, a, a great uh, teacher or preacher, and you know that you hear wisdom, and you take furious notes, and then two weeks later you open the trunk of your car, and there are all your notes. What happened between understanding that I need to do something with my mind, and then time goes by, mortgage payments, kids, whatever it is, and so how do we get from understanding that I need to do something with my body to actually get myself out of the chair? Well, it, the benefit of having a great bunch of people as we do on this board is that you get great insights. So one of our, um, uh, one of our directors uh, is Monica Jacko, who was at Ryerson University. She now travels the world teaching on entrepreneurship and um, youth leadership. And she coined the term active citizens, active citizenship. So to answer your question, I, I, it's not up to any individual because no one person 
can change herself or himself in, in this horrible malaise of inactivity. I contend that it's active citizens, active citizenship. People uh, going out in nature with somebody else. People saying, let's go for a walk, let's go yeah. for a hike, um, let's go for a ski together. You know, and, and then somebody who is suffering, let's say, from mental illness, somebody who's depressed, often just needs somebody else to grab them. 100%. Get them out talking, exchanging ideas. Sure. I mean, it's, it's just even if somebody says, "Let's on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock I meet you and we go to the gym or something. I go even if I don't feel like it because I made that commitment to somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. I was in a, a meeting of psychiatrists who gathered from all over the country. This was in the parliamentary dining room in Ottawa. And... Uh, I sat at the back listening to their discussion of mental illness and the, the trends that are not going the right way. And rather self-consciously, near the end of the meeting, I put in my hand in the back and I said, what do you think about physical activity as a response to mental illness? Yeah. And you'd think I'd invented something really <laughs> new. Yeah. There was this energy in the room yeah. and people were saying, oh yeah, I'm prescribing physical activity yeah. more and more. And when my patients get out walking together, yeah. then the darkness literally falls away and you know well it isn't genius we know this to be true and yet uh, companies like apple and google and facebook which are so great at what they do have conspired unintentionally i would say mm -hmm. to keep us on our behinds oh and, and keep us really involved and hook us you know literally onto either the games or the machines yeah. or the email but we do it into ourselves oh my goodness i go into the elevator and some young woman will come out typing and then i i leave the elevator there's two guys trying to get in typing on the road when everybody seems to be so married to the gadgets it's amazing the president of Netflix made a disturbing confession. I'm sure he regrets his words, but <laughs> he asked the rhetorical question, what do you think is my biggest competitor? Huh. And do you know what the answer was? No. Sleep. <laughs> yeah. They want to keep you awake. <laughs> they want to keep you awake because when you're sleeping, your eyeballs aren't yeah. on their product. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, as you know, I, I, I do the radio show with Michael Campbell and Michael is really involved with Special Olympics. Oh yeah. And uh, and you know so we have our annual golf tournaments and he raises uh, tons of uh, money for this cause. And what what I find interesting we always every year we have the the child or the older person already maybe 27 or 30. And so the idea the funds are raised and they can participate in Olympics in the Special Olympics. And so I, we always buy a child in addition to the fund. So, so that child, then t that money you pay, pays for the child to go to St. Catharines or somewhere and compete. Mm. And then I get a card, uh, you know, in the mail and it says, you know, because of your support, I was able to run and I turned in fourth. And then, by the way, my best ever, right? And I feel great about that. Wow. You know, the thing is about, you know, to, to be able to to run and it doesn't matter whether it comes sevens or eights but you're able to run these are normal activities you know all of this kind of stuff and when i see what these parents uh, really how they enjoy that active child and how that child communicates rather than not doing something and here we are already healthy right and we are not doing anything we're not 
doing enough, right? Well, I, I had a really great meeting with a businessman on the North Shore who's interested in supporting our institute. And uh, I made the statement that uh, the level of physical activity among young people has declined over time. And he said, well, John, I don't entirely agree with you. He said that if you take the number of hours by the aggregate population, that there's probably a, a similar number proportionate for population and all those adjustments. His point was that 20% of the kids are doing a tremendous amount of physical activity. They start really young and they get into club sports outside of the school and they become a professional athlete at age 12. The problem is that the other 80% aren't getting those opportunities and furthermore they're intimidated by the specialists sure. who are starting to focus on one sport at an early age in life. And so if you want to pick up hockey at age 13 or 14, sure. you look around and you see all of these kids who are such great skaters yeah. and you don't dare. So his point is a really good one. I, I think part of our challenge through this institute is to get the non-gifted person, the person right. who isn't an athlete out right. doing physical activity right. as part of their daily lives. Sure. That's and really what we want to achieve. And then how, how do we get through to them though? How? Well, and, uh, <coughs> I mean, on a very practical level, uh, we're starting with all the expectable things. So we have a website. The website name is uh, an awkward acronym. It's the acronym for the English and the French language name. So it's nhfi-insap.ca. So that website has on it um, uh, what we call a concept video. And that's been done by the architects A49 who are responsible for renovating prominent buildings. So they're top tier architects with great concept, really attentive to environmentally friendly mm -hmm design. So there's that. Then we have these wonderful celebrity videos. I mentioned Jack Taunton. He's done one. You have Lynn Kanuka Williams who was Canada's bronze medalist who in a famous run against uh, Zola Budd and Mary Decker won her bronze. Um, she's done a, a video. Um, Kieran Lum who just won Canada's um, cross-country championships. Uh, uh, university yeah. athlete. He's done a video. So these videos Rick Hansen, a lot of your listeners will know sure. beloved yeah. Rick Hansen. Yeah. So that's another way we're communicating. Social media, people can follow us on the usual What about, uh, are you thinking, and I know that you're, you're saying your role, the role of all of us is to have ideas, right? It is. Um, the funny thing is I love skiing. And then when my kids come at Christmas time to ski, that three weeks I'm the most active one before they come because I don't want to be left behind. <laughs> so I have a certain motivation that mm. um, I may have you know, been sitting on the dock all summer and not been very active, but when, when it comes to, to skiing with the kids, um, I don't want to be left, left behind. So I sometimes think you talk about all these super acts, uh, active, you know, these great athletes, the achievers, but Joe Schmo, Ozzy here, I need maybe, I need something else. And maybe the program could be that if I ran X amount um, per day or swam this many lengths or whatever, I would get some sort of a level of, and then I can reach another level. I mean, I'm just blue skying, but the whole idea is I had motivation strictly personal because I wanted to not be left behind. Maybe there's some other way that on a motivational level can get me to do more. But, but Ozzy, 
your instincts are, as usual, right on. I mean, the, in a book called Younger Next Year, the two authors, one's a doc and the other is his patient, they talk incessantly about the power of having a friend or a family member who draws you out. Yeah. You, you said it earlier in our conversation. Yeah. If you say to somebody you're going to be uh, at the track at 8 in the morning, even yeah. if you don't feel like it, <laughs> you made the there you commitment. Go. Sure. I remember I would fly in from Vancouver to Ottawa, yeah. get in on a Sunday night and have to be on house duty in the House of Commons the next morning. And you have the three-hour time change. But I yeah. would... I would phone or text somebody before my flight to say, I'll see you at the swimming pool early in the morning. So I know that the next morning, it was hideously early by my time. Yeah. My body was rebelling, yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. made this commitment. Sure. So I turn up at the pool, and then the rest of the day, sometimes it was hard, but at least I had embedded that physical activity, and it all came to making a commitment to a fellow human being, yes. and I didn't want to let that person down. Yeah. Well, it's like in a, on a business sense. Uh, years ago, our company, uh, we hired a gentleman from South Africa by, by the name of Charleston Thomas. And he gave us three words. It was called commit, perform, measure. And the idea is you commit yourself to a course of action, you do the action, and then you measure the results in short intervals, you know, so maybe weekly, maybe monthly. And uh, he started with our CEO. He says, if you don't do it, then they won't do it. And we as managers in those days, what, I have to sit down with each one of my salespeople once a month? Well, believe it or not, we went from 700 salespeople to 7,000 salespeople in 10 years because there was something about being committed. And when I make my speeches, I say, commit yourself to something. Don't be wishy-washy. Commit yourself to your family, to your community, to your company. Mm. Surprise your boss saying, I'm staying, I'm not leaving, I love it here, right? Be committed because you'll feel better if you're yeah. committed. But that's what I mean. And then if I do the work, then measure the results. Do more of what works, do less of what doesn't. And so that's why I think you starting out brilliantly. You have an assortment of highly qualified people that people can look up to. And you have the wherewithal and the drive, and you and Donna are great role models to be out there and visible. And you've proven it over and over again uh, when you were an MP, acting as an MP. So now we have to have some sort of a program and get it going. And one way to do that is to raise money. No? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're trying to raise $2 million by the end of 2020 that will cover the design um, and the construction of phase one. So phase one would be a, a paddling center and a network of trails. We anticipate the other phases later on. I mentioned amphitheater. We hope to have some sort of a facility that would house up to 300 people so that people can come from all over the country and stay for seven days or more. There would be laboratories and um, playing fields and other things. But the, 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 the key thing is to finish phase one and do it well. And I'm spending, uh, this is instead of running for office, this is my public service. And as Donna pointed out, you know, we really care not just about Canadians being physically fitter. That's sure. certainly the immediate goal. But we think the whole society needs to be fitter. That as a country, as a civilization, that we can't be performing well in school or in the workplace, in the community, if we're suffering from diabetes and cardiovascular disease, sure. and we can't think clearly, and we have to take days off, and we're depressed and 
those things all come back to the routines that we're talking about. Yeah, and I think that certainly the Institute then can do research on how, because what, what it needs to do research first, and this is only a, a layman's opinion, is they have to figure out how we get, get ourselves committed to do it, not just the people in the Institute. And maybe there is such a thing where step one is, you know, I'm, I'm joining this new trend by 2030, I want to be one of those fit ones. So I commit for the first year I will do X and for the second year I will do Y. Something where I personally commit to that is manageable and provable and measurable and when I, when I won't be blamed if I don't do it quite right but where it's clear that I made that commitment. Right and that's, that's the track that we're on and um, we really believe that it, it's active citizens, active citizenship, people encouraging one another to, to really get sure. going. Yeah. And um, I think we can be the fittest nation on earth by 2030. Uh, right now we're down there in the 20s according to participation. Yeah. And oh. uh, we're, we're determined to have a baseline to measure things. We have on our board, for instance, Silky Cresswell, who is a, a world-renowned in brain research. She was a professor at UBC. She's helping us with our definitions and our baselines. We have several other academics on the board as well. And uh, it looks like one of our first projects is going to be uh, measuring the impact of exposure to nature on mental health and the economic dividends that pays for society. So that's sure. a prof from Waterloo who wants to do that uh, study under the aegis of our institute. Well, I think you want to, your goal is to raise $2 million by the end of next year. We have your kickoff date as April 30th next year at Mahoney's uh, Borat Landing in Vancouver. What can people do in the meantime? They can go to your website. They can go to the website, learn more about what we're doing, who's involved. They can donate through the website. They don't have to wait till April 30th. That's going to be sort of the culmination. We hope we're calling that our celebration, our fundraiser celebration. So we hope to make some good headway on our fundraising goals by then. We're going to have a great event on April 30th with some celebrities in the sports and health world, uh, people who will be entertaining and educational, and uh, your listeners, I think, will um, really enjoy that event. I know they will, and I also believe that you will achieve your goal, and the National Health and Fitness Institute slogan I like is, shape, support, and activate the change. And I know with your leadership, yours and Donna's leadership, you will. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ozzy. That's great chatting.